we looked at this aspect of what is God teaching here in the realm of judge not lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you meet, it will be measured to you. And he then goes on and gives the story that we looked at this morning about remove the beam out of your eye before you go and remove the speck out of, out of your brother's eye. And, and we don't want to reiterate what we went over this morning, but tonight we want to show the difference between sinful judging and godly discernment. You know, God calls us to judge several things. He calls us to judge right and wrong. He calls us to judge ourselves. He calls us to judge what would be a stumbling block. He calls us to judge the evidence of false teachers. He calls us to be fruit inspectors, the fruit of a person and so on. But yet it's so easy for us to naturally fall into the sinful judging. And we say, well, why do we do that? Well, it it comes so naturally. Um, It's a work of the flesh. We are are born with this sinful judging. And, And it's so easy. I mean, they're wrong. I mean, and there's such easy picking out there, isn't there? But... These are some of the things in in our mind that we justify what we do. But I want to give tonight four characteristics of sinful judging and then five characteristics of discernment. Number one, sinful judging condemns others. We think the worst of others... We attach the worst possible motives or maybe in our moments of mercy we don't attach the worst possible motives, but we attach bad motives. Well, they did that because of this and that. And, and we, we do this often to make ourselves look better. The reality is that when you push people down... You go down, okay? This is a a simple principle that we try to teach, don't we, girls, all right? We try to teach the girls in soccer. You don't help the team by pushing people down. You go down when you push people down. But in our minds, we think, "When when I condemn them, that shows they're bad and I'm good. No. It shows I'm just as bad or worse than they are. And we judge, Romans chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us, we recognize what is wrong because we're very familiar with it. We're guilty of the same thing. We're in that you judge others. You yourself are guilty of the same thing. And that's it. When you start seeing something, first of all, as he said in Matthew 7, look at your own life. I'm seeing this in them but how is this a reflection, a mirror of how I am? And often we won't like looking in that mirror, but it's good for us to look in that mirror because it's a purifying effect. 
But sinful judging condemns others. It secondly forms opinions on hearsay, and it looks for evidence to support our opinions. We've already made up our mind that they're no good. Now we try finding evidence to confirm it. That doesn't sound very good, does it? I mean, when you put it that way. But how many people do you meet and you've already made up your mind in looking at them or briefly talking to them that they're no good? And so then we start looking for evidence to confirm that our opinion is right. That is wrong. That is sin. That isn't how God views them. And we judge according to appearance. Probably every one of us have certain things that when we see it just kind of trips our trigger. I'm not even going to go there and start on that tonight. But you know certain things that when you see in someone else, it, it just trips your trigger. And naturally, we start going down this condemning, negative, and then the worst part is we form these opinions, we look for evidence, we find the evidence, and then we share our judgment with others. That's a polite way of saying we speak evil, we gossip, and we assassinate people's character. I'm I'm just warning them about this person. No, that's not our job. That's not our ministry. Um, We really don't even have the right perspective about them. And and sometimes it's not a warning. Sometimes we're vindictive. We want to see the person suffer. You know, we, we have this characteristic that we desire, then we demand, and then when we don't get what we desire, we demand what we desire, then we judge because we're not getting what we demand and desire, and then we punish. We're drawn away of our own desires. And you know, many of the things that we're judging we're desiring to punish, and it's evil. It's, it's evil. That's all there is to it. The evil speaking, the, the gossip, the character assassination. So we condemn others. We form opinions on hearsay or just observance that we conclude, and we look for evidence to support it. We share that with others, and then... Sinful judgment does not want resolution. It will not go to the person for reconciliation. It will not want to provide forgiveness. And nothing good can come out of that but evil. And that's not good. So nothing good can come out of that. And we, we harbor this bitterness, and the root of bitterness springs up, and it troubles many. And 
and Satan is just Satan is just having his way. He's planted multifloral rows and thistles and and worth. Have you noticed any of the big thistles are putting these beautiful purple flowers? Aren't they? Aren't they beautiful? No, they're not. They're evil. They're ugly. They're and yet we nurture these condemning, judgmental, <clears throat> critical spirits, and and we can find a beautiful purple flower in it. But there's nothing good in it. <clears throat> now, God has called us to discern. And let me just mention <clears throat> characteristics of discernment. This is godly. This is biblical. Number one, it begins with self-examination. When you're tempted to think evil, when you're tempted to condemn and criticize, use that as a sign, as a blinking light on the dashboard. Use that as a sign. Wait a minute. I need to examine myself for this exact same thing or similar. Say, God, show me. My sin. First Corinthians 11, when he, he challenged them about observing the Lord's Supper, he said, if you will judge yourself, you will not be judged. And, and we need to do a much better job of judging ourselves, of, of examining, wait a minute, am I recognizing this because it's in my life? I'm very familiar with it. Is this something that, that is similar to what I do? Is my attitude toward this person who is made in the image of God reflecting of God's attitude toward this person? So it begins with self-examination. It is committed to accuracy and truth. I was going to say there are two sides to every story. And you've heard, that's why you have two ears to hear both sides of the story. Really, there's usually three sides to every story. Theirs, yours, and God's. And we need to get lined up with God's. But, you know, many times it says a fool answers things before he even hears it. Many times we come to conclusions before we've, we've even gathered the facts. Read through the Proverbs and you'll find over and over again, it says, the simple believeth every word. Just because somebody said it doesn't mean that that's the way it is. We are, 1 Corinthians 2.15, to discern all things. We are, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, we are to prove all things. Is this true? Is this accurate? Now, is this lining up with truth, with the way of God and the Word of God? So, the situation goes on. Thirdly, you deal with problems as privately as possible. If they aren't part of the problem or the solution, they don't need to be involved in the circle. We, we make things many times worse by going to people that aren't part of the problem 
or the solution, and, and we spill all this to them. Listen, God will give you the grace for this problem. If it's been brought into your life, God promises to give you the grace to biblically respond to the problem. But when you go and dump it on someone else, God doesn't give them the grace for that. That wasn't their intended problem, or they would have had that situation. But we dump it on them, and then they take up our offense. Or they take up someone else's offense. And in that situation, we have caused them to stumble by us not keeping this issue as privately as possible. Now, there are certain things when, when we sin before all, then it needs to be taken care of before all. But the reality is, in most situations... It needs to be dealt with in a spirit of meekness, Galatians tells us, to go to one another and consider ourselves. how would I want someone to come to me if I was in this situation? Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so it, it's vitally important that we, we deal with this as privately as possible, and that we be committed to restoration. The whole purpose, it's not to prove I'm right and you're wrong. It's not to, to get them to knuckle under. It's, it's to bring restoration to fellowship with God and fellowship with one another as believers. And, and even if it's with an unbeliever, the ultimate goal is to bring them to restoration with God by how we respond to these situations. We mentioned Galatians 6.1, to go in a spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted, that you may restore them to be committed to restoration. And that restoration is not just learning to go our separate ways. That restoration is learning to genuinely love one another. In the book, Calvary Road, and my wife mentioned this this afternoon, but in that book, it says, the beam that we have in our eye is our unloving reaction to the other person's moat or speck in his eye. Do you get that? The beam in our eye that we need to remove is an unloving reaction to what we consider their sin. And though I have all faith, and though I have all works... And if I don't have genuine love, I am nothing. I'm a big zero. I, it profits me nothing. All my knowledge, I may know all the verses that, that could help them, but if I don't, and love sacrificially gives, and love does what is best 
for the one love. And love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Notice verse 12, and this passage, this, this challenges me over and over again every time I review these verses. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If any man has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Notice that. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Have your heart filled with mercies and kindness and humbleness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another, And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, so also you forgive them. Boy, that pretty well covers it, doesn't it? How I'm supposed to deal with others is the way God has dealt with me. He has been very, very, but you don't know what they've done. Really, has has it been worse than we've done to Christ? Is it a worse offense than what we did to God and His holiness? And it ultimately, when we have a spirit of discernment, it ultimately leads to us genuinely showing love. And not just a one-time thing. It's extending, and, and they may not reciprocate. How many times has God manifested His love to you And we did not reciprocate over and over and over. But then one other characteristic of discernment, it realizes that God is the final judge. I understand you may invest your life and you may seek to make restoration and and it may not be well received. You can rest in the fact that God is the final judge. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Don't you get in and repay evil for evil. Overcome evil with good. Rest in the fact there is a God and he will bring justice. And our job is to walk in fellowship with him to genuinely love others. And and listen, there isn't a one of us here tonight that can say, I've got this love thing down. To love as Christ loved me? God, help us. This This is what genuine revival is. 
where we genuinely care and, and invest for their best. As we said this morning, it isn't, love isn't just approving everything. That isn't love. That's hate. Love is desiring God's best. And there are times when, when your expressions of love will be, will be rejected. There will be times when, when you may be falsely accused and you can't do anything about it. And they may twist your words, but you come back and rest in the fact, you know what? God is the final judge. And someday he'll take care of it. He knows. If you don't rest in that fact, you'll go nuts. I mean, it'll eat you up. There are all kinds of things in life that are not right. But don't worry about it. God will take care of it. Just make sure you're walking with God. And he will take care of it. We can rest in that fact. And he says, not just rest in it. It's not, you know, in Romans it says, do good to them. And in doing that, that's heaping coals of fire on their head. Sometimes... We like that part, you know. I'm going to do good because, man, that really gets their go. Whoa, I love to get their go. No, that isn't genuine love doing that. Man, I know this will really stir them up. No. Overcome evil with good. And see, it all begins with the motive of our heart. Because we love God... We must love one another. The two great commands. It's, it's not complicated. I didn't say it's simple, but it's not complicated. If I could just figure this out. Two things. Love God with all your heart and love others as yourself. But it takes a lifetime to do it. But you know what? If we commit to that, God will grow us. And develop us. And you know what? He's committed to that. The things that have come into your life are not just haphazard. They're to teach us God's heart. And to teach us to not have sinful judgment, but to have a discerning spirit. And to genuinely love as God loves. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would find in us hearts desirous of walking in your ways. Lord, you know each situation in each life. And undoubtedly, every one of us here tonight have individuals that we find in and of ourselves hard to genuinely love. But Lord, I pray that we would not walk in the sin of a critical, condemning, judgmental spirit, but that we would walk in the truth, that we would represent your ways, and that we would be a vessel of your truth and your love through our lives. 
And Lord, this is impossible in and of ourselves. But I pray that we would be instruments pliable and usable in your hand and committed to your ways. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here tonight and you'd 